we have been talking about the supernatural love of God which he has made known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So why did God send his Son? Well, because we have a sin problem that reaches down into the very depths of our nature. And no matter how hard we try, we can't rise above our sin and our selfishness. We keep defaulting back to that. And this especially shows up, we talked about, in our relationships. And that's why we have conflicts. And that's why there's hurt. And that's why there's pain and struggles. And last week, we talked about how important forgiveness is for our relationship. You can listen to the podcast on the internet. God so loved us that he forgives us, even when we didn't deserve it, even when we were indifferent to him, he forgives us. We talked about how he has chosen us, called us holy and loved, and how we are to act as who we are. So we as God's children should treat others the way God treats us, right? And we read, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now the question is, well, how do we do that? We turn our grievance over to a higher power. We get off the bench, we take the gavel out of our hands, and we give it to Jesus. And that's where we continue today with this Bible passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And what he is saying is that you're going to go through hardships and you're going to have strained relations with one another. You put two sinful people together, guess what? They'll likely sin and cause offense and hurt. And there will be issues. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I want you to think of sporting events. Think of a kid's hockey game, okay? Could be soccer too. But it's reported that parents can become quite nasty at their kids' hockey and sporting events. And what happens in sporting events, they're usually contested calls, right? You know, one team's parents start yelling at the other team's parents and they start yelling back and the coaches start yelling and then the players start yelling and the whole game grinds to a halt. And so in a sporting event, we have referees. And if there's not a referee, you can imagine things can get really ugly. I just imagine an NFL football game with no refs. Now, some people would pay double to see that, but it'd be chaos, and it would be not godly. There would be disagreements, and there would be fights that break out. The ref makes the call, and everybody has to accept it, and then the game can move forward. Think of the peace of Christ as a referee in your life, and you let it rule.
You let the peace of Christ rule. This is not how the culture does relationships, but this is how the kingdom does. Okay, two Christians, we disagree. Jesus comes in and he is the referee. Jesus, you get the authority, you get the whistle, whatever you call, we will accept it and then we can proceed forward and not live here fighting for the rest of our lives. The beauty of forgiveness, one of the best gifts that God has given us. Practically, what does, what does that look like that Jesus is the ref? Practically. Christians go to the Bible. That's right. That's the closest thing we have to the presence of Christ. His word. And as God's children, we see what he has to say about our attitudes and behaviors. Or sometimes you go and you seek wise counsel. Another Christian brother or sister. Go find someone who is godly, who knows the word of God. Let's invite them in on behalf of Jesus to make the call so that the issue is dealt with and the relationship is not destroyed. Now, if you are going to let Christ rule in your hearts, then you need to get off the throne. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. He's talking about the church. He's clearly talking about the importance of maintaining good relations in the church. And then he goes on and he says, and be thankful. Now what Paul is saying is that when you have a relational conflict, it's very easy for you to become critical and not thankful. And the Bible warns against having a critical spirit. That's literally someone who tries to find fault everywhere and in everyone. Sometimes when we're fighting and disagreeing, we become archaeologists and like to dig up the past. All the faults and failures and flaws and all the past hurts get excavated. And what can happen is we can quickly forget the reason that we are thankful for the other person in our lives. And this is especially true in conflict. So what Paul is saying is that in the moment, for the sake of the relationship, you need to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and remember what Jesus said to you. He said, my peace I leave you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And the first thing you need to ask is, what can I be thankful for? How has this person whom I'm having a disagreement with, added value to my life. These are the things that I admire about you. These are the things that I'm thankful for. Before we talk about all the things that we maybe need to correct, let's talk about the things that are already good and correct in our relationship. This is where we need to literally stop and say, Jesus, right now, I need to put on your character because if I put on your character, things will go well. If I live out of my character and my sinful nature, things are going to end poorly. We're talking about supernatural love, loving people the way God has loved us. 
undeservedly, unconditionally. So then, how do you learn all this supernatural love, holy living stuff? Where do you practice all this character of Jesus living? Where do you go to get the strength to live in this supernatural love? Well, you won't find it in the world. But you will find it in church, in the family of God. And what does the church do that no one else does? If you think about it, what is that weird thing that church does? I mean, we do lots of things that the world does, but one thing very different is we worship. We come together and we worship. After Paul talks about putting on the character Christ and living a holy life of supernatural love, he then talks about Christian worship. He's talking about characteristics of a good relationship, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And he's talking then about worship. And you're thinking, well, what is relationships have to do with church? It's church where we learn how to do relationships well. It's church where we work on our relationship with God. It's church where we work on our relationship with each other. And it's church where the presence of God is. It's where the people of God are. And it's where the rule and reign of God is. The kingdom of God is most visible in the church. We're learning how to be sons and daughters of the kingdom. And we become more like our king. When you come to church, it's not a little thing you're doing. Oh, no. It's a huge thing. You're building your character. Where else can you hear of the forgiveness and love of your heavenly Father? And where else can you get equipped with his wisdom? Where else in life do you sit at the feet of the most loving, the most kind, the most wise, and most influential person who has ever lived? Jesus Christ. And you get to sit at his feet, and you get to learn about the depths of his love. You become like the one whom you are pursuing. We pursue and worship Jesus. We put off who we were. That's that repentance thing. And we put on whom he has made us to be in himself. He says it this way. Let, he said, let the peace of Christ rule. And now he says, let the word of Christ dwell. The peace of Christ comes from the word of Christ let the word of Christ dwell. I love that word. It means take up residence. It means to stay. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, not poorly. To be poor means to have a little. To be rich means to have a lot. God wants you to have a lot of his word in your life. Maybe you need to do something about that. Maybe you need to be reading your Bible more or listening to your Bible more. Maybe you need to be studying God's word more. The church is here to help you with that. That's what we do. 
And that's what we're doing today. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. My job is to teach you the word of Christ. Your job is to accept it as nourishment, to take time to digest it. Your body needs food. Your soul needs the word of God. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When the soul is fed the word of God, people become healthy and their relationships become healthy. Look at that cool passage for you young parents. If you feed an infant nothing but garbage, they grow up to be unhealthy and their palate and their desires become that which is unhealthy. The world is filled with all kinds of junk food, all kinds of weird teachings, both in and out of the church that are not healthy. You parents know this. You introduce food to your children and you set their palate so that they will eat healthy food and they would be healthy individuals. So they would grow and they would desire more healthy food choices and they would grow. It's important for you to be fed the word of God, the truth, your creator's truth, so that you can be healthy. Now some will say, well, that's not what people want to hear. Yeah, but that's what people need to hear. So we feed people what makes them healthy, the truth of God's word, so they can grow and their relationships can be healthy. Let the word of Christ dwell in you first so you can teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Sometimes we like the teaching and admonishing one another part, but without the word of Christ, not a good idea. That's why relationships go sour. Maybe the word, uh, word or wisdom of Christ is not dwelling in us, and so our teaching and admonishing others is selfish reasons and not God-glorifying reasons. You see, if you let the word of Christ dwell, take a permanent residence in your life, you're going to have the peace of Christ in your heart, and it's going to guard you. Look at that. It's going to guard you from bitterness, and you are going to be a forgiving and loving person because you have been forgiven and loved by Jesus. And when that burden of sin is lifted, your life will be filled with joy. And you are going to want that for all of your relationships. And you're going to love others the way God has loved you in Christ. And that's going to lead to a lot, a lot of joy. And when we are joyful, then we sing. That's what we do. That's why we sing in church. Because the word of Christ dwells in this place. And the peace of Christ dwells and rules in our relationships. And that brings us a lot of joy. Singing is what we will do in the kingdom of heaven. I know we don't do it as much in our culture. Women sing more than men in church. I know that. Certain cultures like South America, you go to their soccer and rugby matches and all the guys are singing. It's because there's victory. Well, we have been victorious in Christ, and so we sing. And then Paul ends with serving. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Do 
means serve. And a great way that you can grow spiritually is by serving, and serving not just your family, not just those who are close to you. We live in a world where we exist to be served. Not so in the church. We serve those we know and those we don't know. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we follow in his footsteps. And we serve in that way as we grow and mature. The Bible's a good place to start with maturing, learning, reading it and studying it, and then practicing it by serving. It allows you to take all these things and put them into practice and invest in the well-being of someone else. And then Paul closes by saying, giving thanks to God the Father through him, that is Jesus. Giving thanks. I used to believe that there were good times and there were bad times in life. And if you just wait for a bad time to get over, maybe a good time will come. I've learned that's not true. There are just times and seasons in life. And in each season there is good and there is bad. There is always something to be thankful for, no matter what season of life you find yourself in. That's why we come to church, because we learn about what God has done for us. And that always, always, always gives us a reason to be thankful. Because we know that there is a better day coming. If it's not in this life, it certainly is in the life to come. God, I am thankful that my sins are forgiven, that the culture will end, that one day I will be healed, that there is a resurrection of the dead, that my King and Savior is coming and His kingdom will last forever, that all of our relationships will one day be perfect, that all the strain and the pain will go away, and that you will wipe away every tear from our eyes because you've got a plan for us. You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You've chosen us. You call us holy. You call us loved. You call us forgiven. Condemnation has been lifted. We got lots to sing about and be thankful for. Worship always reminds us of that because we worship Jesus. And we come here as the king's children and we ask that his kingdom come. Remember praying that in the Lord's Prayer? And that his will be done. And we look at our relationship with him. And we learn that through Jesus we're forgiven. And through Jesus we are loved. And that because of Jesus he is patient with us. And a result of that incredible love we seek to treat others the way that our dad, our heavenly father, has treated us. That's something to sing about. All hail the power of Jesus' name.